Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashoms in Johannesburg, South Africa, and by a guest analyst this week, my colleague here in Zimbabwe, Ephraim Tagu. Well, on this week's show, we get stuck into the UEFA Champions League. With the group stage underway, will we get a non-Spanish winner this time? What influence will Cristiano Ronaldo have at Juventus? And who are the African stars to look out for? Plus your comments on whether Arsenal can get a top four finish in the English Premier League. And we have the third and final part of our interview with Samuel Osei-Kufour, the former Ghana and Bayern Munich defender. This week he explains how his faith helped him to cope with the tragic death of his daughter in 2003. I was crying, I was asking questions to God. I asked God so many questions. Why me? I asked God, why me? That my daughter have to die. Well, that's coming up later. But first, on last week's show, we reported on the death of a supporter in Madagascar as they hosted Senegal in an Africa Cup of Nations qualifier where there was a lack of open entry points into the ground. And, well, last weekend there was another tragedy as five fans died in Angola at an African Champions League quarterfinal first-leg match in Luanda as Primero Augusto drew 0-0 with DR Congo's TP Mazembe. Now, a commission of inquiry will be set up to investigate the causes of the incident, but witnesses said that the stampede happened after fans found the gates at the stadium shut after the match. When police opened the gates, fans rushed out and some were trampled under police horses. So sad to hear this, Solomon. It's another tragedy again for African football and African football fans, especially when out of the five people who lost their lives, uh, one is 10 and one is 12, very young people, children actually, and it's really sad. Africa has a history of uh, this kind of situation within the African football fraternity, you know, with uh, regular deadly crowd stampedes. In Angola, also last year in February, 17 people were killed and 58 injured near the northern town of Uge during the national championship. And also we have to remember that in July last year, eight people were killed when rival supporters clashed during Senegal's league cup final and a stampede caused a wall to fall on escaping fans. Also in 2009, 19 people died in Ivory Coast during the, the economic capital of Abidjan. That is uh, after a crush in a qualifying match for 2010 World Cup between Ivory Coast and Malawi. So there's uh, some sort of history and, and events and lost of life that have become very, very rampant. And a lot of it, to be honest with you, Steve, just like in the case of Angola from the news coming up, is, is self-inflicted. A lot of it, I think the management of the stadium, the football association, the police or the security agents who are supposed to be working on that day, you know, need to be able to control the crowd. We need to be able to also make sure that overcrowding is stopped and we also need to make sure that nothing is done by security agents uh, to create some sort of uh, attention that would lead to stampedes, you know, like from cases of, uh, you know, threatening fans or releasing a tear gas or gunshots. We have quite a lot of that. There are a lot of incidences that led to that. Uh, and also we have to look at the way we build our stadiums. Or And if we have stadiums that are not that cannot really contain certain number of fans in case of emergency, in case of, uh, of uh, you know, when it, you need to escape, go out of the stadium, we need to be able to evaluate. We need to be able to make the stadium 
stadium very healthy place and safe place for for families for children uh, you know because families go to watch these games kids love to go to watch these games and you cannot go to a football game in a stadium and you know all you're thinking about is is what is going to happen to me just in case uh, there is a case of stampede you know uh, and and i think a lot of it also if we don't make the stadium safe then it's going to discourage a lot of of families to go and watch uh, games and local games they would prefer to sit at home and watch you know the la liga or the english premier league but with incidences like this i don't think it's going to encourage our football fans to come to the stadium in any way so we, we really have to rebrand ourselves and and make this a, a safe place a place that you can come sit down enjoy a good game of football and 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 you know support your team and and leave uh, uh, afterwards knowing that you know you've uh, you've watched a good game of football well, we'd really want to have these things becoming a thing of the past. And uh, Solomon, the Referees Association of Ghana has handed lifetime bans to six more referees in the wake of investigation into bribery. It also banned 47 match officials for 10 years each, while another 14 were cleared. Now, in total now, eight referees in Ghana have been given life bans and 53 referees have 10-year bans. The investigation was launched after the officials were seeking Secretly filmed accepting money by investigative journalist Anas Aramayu Anas. Uh, we talked about this uh, earlier in the year on the show. Uh, further developments, and this has really rocked football in Ghana. It's sad when you have uh, situations where referees uh, are supposed to be the custodians of integrity in a football game. They're supposed to be the custodians of objectivity. They're supposed to be custodians of honesty. And and then they're the ones failing now. It's really sad and shame and a disgrace to African football what happened in Ghana. Ghanaian football definitely has been rocked. You Now football fans are going to question certain games, results from certain games. But it's good that it's happening now because now I think the Referees Association of Ghana would have to sit down and now create a different template and say, how do we really make sure we read this corrupt approach? How do we make sure that we read society? Because football in Ghana is quite huge and it's a reflection also of what is happening in society. Sure. And of course, uh, fans in uh, many other countries around Africa are now asking how clean are their referees. Well, thanks a lot, Solomon. Um, so the group stage of the UEFA Champions League is underway with much excitement and much interest among football fans all around Africa. Uh, last season, Real Madrid made it three titles in a row under Zinedine Zidane, and they've won four out of the last five editions, with another Spanish club, Barcelona, winning it in 2015. Well, Stuart is away for a couple of weeks, and my colleague from Star FM Radio here in Zimbabwe, Ephraim Tagu, is with me as our guest analyst. Uh, hi there, Ephraim. Uh, good to be on the show, Steve. Thanks. Well, great to have you with us. Uh, so, Cristiano Ronaldo has won three editions in a row with Real Madrid, uh, now with Juventus, who've come close but fallen short of late. Uh, there is, of course, a big debate over that red card he got on his Champions League debut for Juventus on Wednesday. But uh, overall, can Ronaldo make the difference at Juventus? Oh, he really can. When you look at uh, Juventus and the reasons why they were falling short, they just didn't have uh, that uh, quality up front, someone who can just step up to the plate when needed. In Cristiano Ronaldo, you get goals. You get goals in important moments in games. You get experience. You get someone who has won uh, four of the last uh, five editions of this competition, something that they don't have, Juventus. Juventus have brought him specifically to win this competition because they dominate their domestic cups and their domestic league. Uh, so they need someone who can help them make that step further. 
uh, not too old? This is a, a, a signing that is specifically for the now. This is not uh, someone who is being brought in uh, with uh, uh, the idea of looking to the future. This is someone who is brought in for this season to win now and next season, uh, perhaps three seasons max for me. Uh, So then do we get a non-Spanish winner of the Champions League this time around? Uh, very possible, Steve. When, when you look at uh, Juventus and what they're trying to do there, uh, they brought in Leonardo Bonucci uh, to just shore things up at the back. They brought in uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. And that makes them uh, a firm favourites uh, to, to challenge, uh, to be uh, contenders and to be taken seriously. Look at PSG as well. Uh, you've got a team that has dominated uh, the uh, domestic uh, cups and uh, premiership there, and they look at the Champions League as uh, their main priority. You've got Bayern Munich with a similar record in, in Germany. You've got Man- Manchester City as well, who are coming to this competition having broken the 100-point barrier in the English Premier League. So there is a huge possibility that this year the Spanish dominance can be broken. Uh, So Man City, a poor record in the Champions League. They've uh, never won it, but uh, three seasons ago they got to the semi-finals. Quarter-finals last season. Uh, Pick of the English Premier League clubs? Yeah, you look at uh, Manchester City and you think this is the real deal. They've got uh, so many players. Uh, they've, they've added the Algerian Riyad Mahrez uh, to their team, someone who brings with him a lot of goals, a lot of flair, and who can be decisive in important moments. Uh, they brought him in specifically for this competition to add that depth that they've been lacking in previous seasons. And I think when you look at Manchester City, uh, they've got that star quality that maybe a Manchester United don't have. A blazing start for Liverpool, of course, beating a PSG a 3-2. Yes, and uh, when you look at uh, Liverpool, they they are the team that you can uh, really put your money on in a one-off game. When you are playing Liverpool at Anfield, they are never underdogs. And they really showed the PSG what they are about. And they are about their high press, uh, they are about passion, uh, they are about scoring goals. And they really showed that they can perhaps go one further this year. They reached the final last year. Can they go one further and win this competition? They've brought in new players. They've got Jürgen Klopp, who's very passionate about this competition. And this will be one of those seasons that could be defining in their history. And, of course, uh, Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah at Liverpool. Uh, Also, they've got Nabi Keita, uh, their new arrival from Guinea. Who are some of the other African players we can look forward to watching in the Champions League this season? Uh, Paris Saint-Germain has Eric Chupo-Moting, the Cameroon striker, was relegated with uh, Stoke City in the English Premier League, but featured against Liverpool in the week, coming on as a second-half substitute. Inter Milan have Kwadjo Asamoah of Ghana, who played the whole game in the victory against Tottenham Hotspur in the opening game with uh, Keita Balde of Senegal, often used from the bench. Uh, He brings a lot of uh, speed to the team. Uh, Thomas Partey of Atletico Madrid in Ghana. Uh, Senegal's uh, Kalidou Koulibaly will be a central figure for Napoli. Porto can call on an all-African attack in the shape of Yassine Brahimi of Algeria, Vincent Abubakar of Cameroon, and they also have the Mali international Musa Marega. And Lyon can call upon Burkina Faso star Bertrand Traore. So, so many African players to look forward to this season. It's going to make it exciting. So, uh, finally on this, uh, Ephraim, let's uh, get your prediction, or at least if you want to narrow it down a bit for us. 
I'm, I'm going to go for a non-Spanish team winning this one. I think Real Madrid have been weakened after losing uh, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. I don't see them winning four on the trot. Barcelona uh, blowing hot and cold. Not too sure uh, that they can uh, battle it out and manage to, to, to win it this time around. Of course, Lionel Messi is on record saying that this year is all about the Champions League. I, I'd rather go with the Manchester City this time around. I'd rather go with the Manchester City, a team that has the consistency, a team that has a Pep Guardiola, someone who uh, is desperate to win this one. It's been a while since he won this competition and he's got the, the, the squad, he's got the resources and, and it looks like uh, maybe the Spanish dominance can be broken. So I'm, if I'm going to be picking one, I'm going for Manchester City. Okay, well, uh, stay with us, uh, Ephraim. Now, uh, Solomon, uh, who would you go for to win the Champions League this season? I, I really feel this season uh, is it's time to to see uh, you know an English uh, football club winning this uh, tournament. I feel that you know the likes of Man City and also Liverpool they have a good chance. Over the last few years they've been uh, regulars. They've gathered quite a lot of experience, and I feel that this is the time for them to go in and execute. But I wouldn't rule out. You know, Barcelona in La Liga and also PSG in as much as PSG has uh, lost the game already. But I feel PSG has a good chance that not rule out, you know, by Munich. By Munich might just uh, show up also and, and spoil the party. They've been regulars and also quite a lot of experience. Well, thanks a lot, Solomon. I'm going to say Barcelona. I think it's really wide open this season, but perhaps Barcelona in with a big chance, along with quite a lot of other teams. That's our question on social media this week. Who do you think will win the Champions League and why? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Who do you think will win the Champions League this season? Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can also listen on our new look website, planetsport.tv. We have our other shows there too. That's Planet Sport and the Planet Sport Rugby podcast. You can also read interviews with various sports stars, including Ghana's Christian Achu and Zambia's Patson Daka. Also, there's the About Us section. You can find the pictures and information about the Planet Sport Football Africa team. Uh, that's all on our new look website, planetsport.tv. Well, still to come on the show, a look at the English Premier League as Manchester City are only in third after five games. But now to the third and final part of our interview with Samuel Osei-Kufour, the former Ghana and Bayern Munich defender who won the UEFA Champions League in 2001, having suffered a heartbreaking defeat in the final to Manchester United in 1999, where United scored two stoppage time goals to take it 2-1. In this in-depth interview from our archives with Erasmus Quau in Accra, Kufour talks about a much bigger tragedy in his life. That was the death of his daughter Godiva, who drowned in a swimming pool at home back in 2003. Kufour explained how his faith helped him. Well, I think it was a, you know, was a sad moment for every father. Or with that young age... You lost your daughter in your own house, in the swimming pool. How many people 
were criticizing you because you make a swimming pool in your house, your daughter fall in and died. Am I the only one who made a swimming pool in his house? No. I'm not the only one who my daughter died. So I was taking the critics in a good faith. But people were also mourning with me because they know it wasn't my fault. Uh, if God bless you, you need to really want to enjoy your life. So I left and my ex-wife called me and just said, you know what? This is what happened, blah, blah, blah. So the daughter died. I just flew to Ghana. <laughs> I was crying. I was asking questions to God. I asked God so many questions. Why me? I asked God, why me? That my daughter have to die. Why me? God, why me? I was crying, asking God questions. But I also asked myself a question. Why not you? I asked myself a question. Why not you? What Look response at, did you get from God? I asked the question. I just say, you know what? Why not you? I asked myself a question. Why not you? Look at you. Look at your career. Look at what you have achieved in your life. Look at the, the, the properties you have. Look at what you have achieved. Why not you? And I just settled down. After asking those questions, I just calmed down. And I was laughing. And the people who come to my house, they see me laughing. They see me joking with them. This boy has a strong heart. Yes. I need that that moment. I need it. I need it because he knew that this thing will happen from day one that the child was born. God knew that I will find myself in that situation. So a pastor came to me and he said to me, God said I should tell you you have two boys. And then <laughs> exactly 10 months I have a son. And when I was young, I used to read, we call it the book of my Bible story. I used to read it a lot, and I like David. So I asked God, and I said to God, Oh God, if I have a son, I will name him David. That's what I said to myself. But as soon as I have my son, I changed my mind. I said to God, I want to name him after me, because my name is Samuel. I want to name this child Samuel. And I named my son Samuel. And exactly one and a half years, I have another son. And I said, God, this is the son that I promised that I will give it to you. So I named my son David. So, you know, nothing happened by accident. It's a reason and people. He took one from me and gave me two. The sadness has been wiped away and now happiness is coming. That's what I said. When you know there's a time and season, you never make mistakes. And how are you raising these kids, you know, with your, with your background as a follower of Jesus Christ and your dedication, you know, dedicating them to God? Well, these children are really doing amazing. They're also footballers now. Two of them are playing the West Ham. And then, you know, for me, if I see them playing, I always say to God, a glory to God, because the children, I never expect to get them. And God provided them to me, and I know they will be better than me in future. Are they also defenders? Junior is playing, uh, he can play central defender, he can play the holding midfield, but the David is a left-footed, he is like Messi. <laughs> <laughs> well, at a point, there was talk of you becoming a minister after your playing career. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's been a while since you stopped playing football. How, how far have you gone with that plan? Well, the plan is still exist because I don't want to rush myself into things. There's so many people who can go to underwear's and get powers to come and just do miracles. I don't want to do that. I don't want to deceive myself. I don't want to deceive people. I don't want to deceive God. I want the right time to come. 
I'm still in the process. And I believe and I'm sure I have so much faith that it will come. And it will be amazing. Like Sami Kofor now is a man of God. And how many people will tend to go, get to know God. Because there is nothing that I can pay him back. The only thing that I can pay him back is to draw people close to him. So for me, my dream still exists, being a man of God. So I want everybody who will listen to me to know that there's God who can turn things around. Don't be frustrated about anything. Jesus is always there for you. So far as you are alive, there's a hope. And so far as there's hope, there's a life. So you can turn things around. Don't look at somebody and just say, why me? That's the problem that we the, we, we the poor ones. We always compare ourselves to the other people. Don't compare yourself to any, anybody. Just try to be yourself. God knows better than you do. God knows how he created for you to be who you are. Never doubt about God. God is always there for you. That's former Ghana and Bayern Munich defender Sami Kufour speaking to Erasmus Kwao on football, on life and on his faith. Well, next on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, we turn to social media. And on the show last week, Nigeria and Arsenal forward Alex Iwobi told us about his expectations at the North London club with their new manager, Unai Emery. Iwobi said that a top four finish is the target for the Gunners this season. So we asked, can they do it? On WhatsApp, Sylvester in the Gambia says, yes, they can if they build the squad. And then it's all about commitment. Modu Pabi Baji, also in the Gambia, agrees, saying yes, of course they can because Arsenal are very competitive and a much better team now in the Premier League. Obina in Nigeria also agrees that Unai Emery's target is achievable, but only if they make changes. Yes, Arsenal can finish in the top four with the crop of players that they have and with the coach, but only if they can address their defensive and goalkeeping position, says Obina. The Arsenal defence has been leaking goals all season. I think the new goalkeeping arrival, Bernd Leno, should be given a chance since Petr Cech obviously can't adapt to the new gaffer's technique of building an attack from the goalie. That's a point also made by Modu G.J. Colley in the Gambia. And Modu says, I hate to watch Petr Cech playing from the back. If that continues, I can see Arsenal finishing in 10th position. But Hatab Sambu in the Gambia says, yes, they can do it. They just need to improve their defence. To Malawi now, and Patrick Mwamliwa says, that's Iwobi's opinion, and we need to respect it. But this season, I see a lot of competition in the league. What they need now is self-belief and confidence. I like the way Arsenal play, says Patrick, but a top four finish for them will not come easy. They need to fight hard, otherwise I don't see them achieving it. Clement in Ghana says, obviously I think Arsenal cannot make the top four because their strikers have not performed well. I don't see any keenness or zeal from their players competing with the likes of Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City and Tottenham, says Clement. Babukar Jaju in the Gambia sees a different top four at the end of the season, but still a top four without Arsenal. I don't see that coming, says Ababukar. The Gunners era is finished. My top four will be Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool and Manchester United. And Jata Samba, also in the Gambia, says it'll be really hard for them to make a top four finish because alongside teams like Spurs, Chelsea, Liverpool and Man United, it will be tricky. So I predict a Europa League position instead for the Gunners. Stanley in Ghana agrees, saying definitely not, because Arsenal are not doing what they need to do to keep themselves up there. 
They have to count themselves as underdogs and take it slowly to gel and to get players who play with maturity and who are ready to win something, not players who just play for playing's sake, says Stanley. Khalifa Sanyang in China is equally unimpressed. They'll need a miracle to finish in the top four, says Khalifa. They're the sixth best team in the Premier League. I can't see them finishing in the top four this season or the next one. Arsenal are finished, says Khalifa. But Belong Baji in the Gambia is more positive. Arsenal have the players to achieve their goal if they can keep creating effective spaces for their strikers and be very composed in midfield. They'll need to show their resilience and abilities to turn games around when they're on the verge of losing, which I think they lacked last season, says Balong. But Ishmael Saidu Kanu in Sierra Leone disagrees, saying Arsenal cannot finish in the top four this season because Emery is still fixing his team, and by the time he finishes, the Gunners would have had a lot of defeats, says Ishmael. He'd probably have to challenge for the top four next season. Sam Chikwilira in Malawi agrees, saying Emery's style is similar to Arsene Wenger. They have no killer instinct. Meanwhile, Basiru Salah in the Gambia says, I think it's going to be a big mountain to climb for the Gunners, considering the style of football they're playing this season. Arsenal's senior players are unwilling to take responsibility on the pitch, with the likes of Ozil, Ramsey, Czech, to name but a few. And finally, Joseph Adelino in Namibia says, I don't think Arsenal can finish in the top four. The reason is their defence lacks quality communication, says Joseph. Well, thanks very much for all of those comments. Uh, Interesting. Uh, So Stuart's away this week. Uh, My guest analyst is Ephraim Tagu, who's my colleague here at Star FM in Zimbabwe. Uh, Ephraim's actually a huge Arsenal fan, uh, fell in love with the team that had the likes of Patrick Vieira and Thierry Henry in the Invincibles era when they were unbeaten all season in 2003 to 2004. But... uh, Ephraim, most people seem to say no, Arsenal can't finish in the top four this season. Oh, their chances hinge on the shoulders of uh, Gabon international uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Uh, he's their record signing. If he can uh, start uh, scoring the goals that we know he can score, then Arsenal can uh, break into that top four. But at the minute, he hasn't really hit uh, the ground running this season. He's not looking like the same man that we know him to be. But if he can start scoring the goals, then Arsenal have got a chance. But when you look around at the competition that Arsenal have, uh, the company that they have in that big six to speak with Tottenham, Manchester United, Chelsea, Manchester City and Liverpool. They seem to be the weakest link. Picking up on some of those comments there, Balong Baji says the Gunners lack resilience. And more specifically, Obina in Nigeria said that Arsenal need to address their defensive and goalkeeping positions. Uh, Petr Cech can't adapt to this uh, new technique of building an attack from the back. And Modu GJ Colley in the Gambia says, I hate to watch uh, Petr Cech playing from the back. Well, uh, Petr Cech is just not your man when it comes uh, to using his feet. He's a, he's a shot stopper. He's someone uh, who can, uh, you know, just uh, cherry pick everything in and around that six yard area. He he really is uh, someone who is gifted as a traditional goalkeeper, not someone who can use his feet. But the new boss, uh, Unai Emery, he likes to play out from the back. He likes uh, short passes to the full backs and you build your play from the back. And Petr Cech is being asked to do so at an advanced age. I think that is where the big problem is. This something new for someone who has gone for decades playing in a certain way. So it's going to be difficult to see how Petr Cech will adjust his game to that. 
So that could be a weak link. Well, in the English Premier League uh, this weekend, uh, big games include Arsenal away to Everton. Uh, West Ham play Chelsea. Uh, both those games are on Sunday. Saturday, Manchester United host Wolves, who are making a really great start to the season as a newly promoted side. Man City away to Cardiff. Liverpool at home to Southampton. And after five games, Chelsea and Liverpool have 100% records. 15 points. And Manchester City on 13. And it looks as though Man City are not going to run away with it in the same style uh, as they did last season, Ephraim. Manchester City already have dropped points. They're not even leading in terms of the log standings so far. But Chelsea have really been a breath of fresh air. They've really surprised everyone. Maurizio Sarri, question marks over him at the beginning of the season. How much of an impact will he give to this Chelsea team? That looked very bereft of confidence and they needed inspiration. But not too sure they can maintain that position on the log. They really miss someone like Didier Drogba, who used to get them goals in key moments. Navarro, Morata and Olivier Giroud, they really don't have that number nine that can step up in those key moments in big games. So I guess they will slide down the ladder. Liverpool, they are the team to catch if you're a Manchester United or a Manchester City who is trailing as it seems. Yeah, somewhat surprisingly, uh, some might say. Well, that's it for the show for this week. And many thanks to uh, Ephraim Tagu, our guest analyst. Uh, we're asking on social media, who do you think will win the UEFA Champions League? Uh, the group stage underway, some exciting games already. It looks to be uh, difficult to predict this one, but uh, who is your prediction and why? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, joined by Ephraim Tagu, and from Solomon Ashams in South Africa. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.